0: Kathy Baldock was in Australia a couple of months ago as a guest of Collins Street Baptist Church in Melbourne. As part of our continuing series of discussions on the same-sex marriage debate, Kathy Baldock offers an irrepressible, if unconventional, approach to the questions. She's a straight, evangelical, U.S. Christian and a supporter of the LGB community. And she's talking with Noel DeBean. Kathy Baldock, welcome to the program. Thank you as I've been working my way through walking the bridgeless Canyon, uh, it strikes me there's a lot of history in it, that you've gone very carefully over the development of ideas, whether that includes towards the gay and lesbian movement, but also in the churches. And you've been very, very attentive to history and Mm -hmm. what really happened. Now, why do you, an ordained minister, an evangelical minister, a straight woman, what got you to write a book in 2014 about all these gay and lesbian issues? What, What was going on for you?
1: Uh, in 2001, I'd, I could not have said that I that I had any friends or even relations that were nobody had ever come out to me as gay, and I was in my mid-40s at the time, and that's pretty surprising, except when you also think about the time that I grew up in the 70s for college and high school, and then by the time I um, became a youngish woman and got married and started having children— I was already in the evangelical culture. And within the evangelical culture, if you had perhaps met gay or lesbian people at church, they would have been deeply closeted. So I had in my mind that uh, gay and lesbian people didn't want anything to do with Christians, and Christians I knew didn't want anything to do with gay and lesbian people. So never the twain shall meet, and everything mm-hmm. was cool. And then I, as I was, happened to be going through a divorce from my Perfect evangelical marriage, which was actually quite shaming at the time in that culture. Can be, yeah. I uh, very shaming, and um, I started hiking every day to take care of some physical energy, of just wanting to be somewhat distracted, but also to get away from everyone. Um, my husband. Uh, disallowed me from telling anybody. We had a very successful business at the time, and he wanted to get through uh, a money-making Christmas season, yeah. so rather than me dealing with my emotions with my friends, I just went out on trails and stopped. So stomped. you couldn't
0: talk about it. You, you and actually went out into the wilderness it. to calm yourself mm-hmm. down, in other words. Yeah.
1: And on those trails, I met a lesbian who was a an agnostic, Native American, Hispanic last name with dark skin, the most different person that could have been on that trail and we it became friends. It sounds
0: funny, but having read the book, I know there wasn't just a stand there saying, hello, I'm a lesbian, would you like to meet me? No. That's not how it happened at all. No. You didn't know she was when you first no. met
1: her. No, and, and well, so we... Rather than talk about those things, because I didn't want to talk to her about my faith, because my faith told me, as soon as I definitively knew that she was not saved, as was I, I was supposed to get at her, and you know, until she got down on bended knee and confessed her her faith to Christ, and together we shall sing our way kumbaya into heaven. And, that
0: sounds right to me. Yes.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> it's the evangelical way, <laughs> and so. Becoming friends with her flipped my world upside down because I started to realize that all that I had been told within my bubble was not accurate about who gay people were. And so I became friends with many gay and lesbian people and five years later I started to deal with the scriptures. And when I started to deal with the scriptures, I knew that what I read in the Bible carefully in context was not what I had been told and that started my journey of trying to find out I call my presentations when I do these, and often they're six hours, I call the presentations Untangling the Mess because it is quite a mess of myths and wrong information and lack of science of how we've come to these complete myths and stigmas about LGBT people. So I was trying to talk to my own tribe in language they understood Hmm. with facts, with information. Uh,
0: Now, to be clear though, again, you have not moved away from the church. Quite the opposite. You're still very no. involved in your church, aren't you?
1: Very. Inter- I go to church every Sunday. I go to a weekly Bible study. I see the scriptures as sacred. I don't cross out the six passages of scriptures that deal with same-sex behavior. I just interpret them differently. Mm-hmm. I interpret them in context. So no, I, I I think when I say to people I I, I consider myself still an Orthodox Christian. Except I don't buy into the orthodoxy that says that people um, that are of a homosexual orientation are any distance from God. I just see that God is gender identity fluid, blind, and also sexual orientation blind. doesn't matter.
0: How does that go down in your home community? You're an ordained minister too. Uh, how, How is that received inside your own community?
1: Well, for 25 years I was at a church that was very important to me. And for the last seven years, that church has not allowed me to use any of my gifts. I couldn't teach. I could certainly go there and listen on Sundays, but they were the only evangelical church I knew around that would even accept me, even as a member, and let me do the work I did, you know, teach and go into churches all over the country. And then I heard through the grapevine that there was another church that was where a pastor's son had come out, actually, in my town in one year— five pastor's sons came out, four evangelical pastors and one Episcopalian pastor,
0: Gee. which
1: is beyond coincidence. Yeah. And those fathers had to deal with it, and some of them got together, and they, they formed a little support group. And um, within that support group, some of those pastors struggled with the Scriptures as they never had before, because this time it was about their children. And so I got wind that uh, there was a church in town, that was thinking about at least asking deeper questions. So I went through membership, went over there, and started teaching um, teaching the staff first and progressively teaching outwards just to educate people because it's a very dangerous thing for even a pastor to sometimes ask from the pulpit, is it okay if we deal with this issue because people walk out? Yeah. And it's this is a very... Um, taboo subject in lots of churches.
0: It's emotionally loaded, isn't it? It's fair to say this is a very emotionally loaded subject.
1: And, and I do not like to say this, but it's also financially loaded. So uh, there's less than 10 evangelical churches in the United States led by straight pastors that have completely changed, you know, to affirming from a stance that's not affirming. I'm not saying
0: Uh, Let's just explain that for for our audience. Affirming means that they're actually positively accepting of gay uh, people yeah. and they would e- even celebrate gay unions. That means affirming. Yes. That's really gone yes. all the way. In other words, so yes.
1: w- marriage equality. We have marriage equality. So pastors can marry people legally. And now the question would be, will they marry people within a Christian union within a church? Which is, you know, just another step. It's the same ceremony, but it's still with you know being done with a the blessing of a pastor. I, I've done lots of same sex weddings, and so that's a defining line. But there are many, there are hundreds of churches that are led by gay, uh, lesbian, and transgender pastors.
0: Like the Metropolitan yes. Community Churches, yes. for example, or mm-hmm. I think the United Churches of Christ are affirming. There, there are Disciples
1: a of, of Christ, yeah. uh, UCC, um, Episcopalian churches, yeah. mm-hmm. some Methodist churches, and that was a big deal in the United, well, in the Methodist church this year. But, but the next thing to overcome is Evangelical conservative churches baptist churches nazarene churches the most conservative of our denominations that are led by straight pastors when they become fully affirming or accepting or sexual orientation blind to their members they have lost between 20 and 80% of their congregation within just a few months well oh,
0: that's huge
1: so that's a big financial risk. But, and but it also
0: tells you affirming is not in tune with how evangelicals are thinking in the pews. That's, no, that's telling you that, isn't it?
1: Well, it, <laughs> it's telling you what pastors are doing. Okay. Because since 2004, when our first state allowed uh, legalized marriage, Massachusetts, until now, so in 2004, 12% of white evangelical Protestants were approving of same-sex marriage or marriage equality. And now, just a couple of weeks ago, the same the study was done, and the study now shows that 34% of white evangelical Protestants are in sync with same-sex marriage or marriage equality. So these are the most conservative, and the numbers are growing. And the numbers are growing because they're knowing now um, same-sex couples that are getting married. The millennials are certainly having a huge impact on this. There's a great number of resources, pushback from parents of gay kids, a growing number of advocates, and also LGBT Christians themselves that are stepping out, whereas they would not have 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have risked it. All of these are ca- causing a great tsunami in the church for churches to have to deal with it especially since we do have marriage equality.
0: You're on ABC Radio around Australia. Our guest in this hour, Kathy Baldock, an evangelical American minister who works in a ministry uh, which is I think reflected very well in her book, Walking the Bridgeless Canyon, Repairing the Bridge Between the Church and the LGBT Community. Kathy Baldock. You just mentioned context. You mm-hmm. r- reminded me that America has same-sex marriage. It's 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 lawful. Mm-hmm. Now, what has that done to the church communities inside? Because our, of course, debate is going on in this country as we speak, and there are churches afraid that they might be forced to do um, uh, same-sex marriages when they don't want to. That's been guaranteed against, but there's still a fear there. There's an anxiety about it. How are the churches responding, and particularly the evangelical churches you're most familiar with, in an environment where... Marriage is legal, what is that doing to them and their dynamic?
1: well, pastors would like people to believe that they're not dealing with this, that they're just moving forward and they're you know they're being guided by the truth of what's in the scriptures and they're not going to look at this because it's some form of heresy, but I will tell you this is a burning issue behind closed doors, whether it be at pastor's meetings or with their deacons or their elders, and they are addressing it because couples that have been in the church, people in the church are now saying, this is my spouse. So when someone comes to church with a, this is my spouse, and we wanna be participants, what will you allow us to do? These questions are being constantly asked of churches. And as I mentioned before, another big pressure is coming from the parents of gay kids, gay and trans kids they don't want to leave their faith communities and they know they look at their child and they say so how has this child changed from yesterday to today since this child has come out as trans or gay this is my child and a lot of parents are staying in faith communities and pushing these these conversations and pastors are being made to feel uncomfortable and that's a good thing because people are pressing from inside and outside the culture they're young people To deal with this issue. So they may say they're not dealing with it, they're towing some kind of line of, of scripture, but they are dealing with it. And increasing numbers of pastors are being forced to look at the scriptures for themselves. And when they look, at those scriptures, those six passages of scriptures that deal with same sex behavior. Yep. Not with homosexuality. You're talking but with about Leviticus sex,
0: and, and uh, Leviticus Exodus and, and these other yep. right.
1: Yep. And Romans and Timothy and yep. Corinthians, when they look at those verses in context with just a, a little tiny crack of maybe I'm not right, they are discovering that it is not as sure and clear as they have been telling people it has been since about the late 80s. Mm-hmm. People will say, well, this is uh, this is the way God has seen it since the beginning of time. People don't understand that this is a conversation we've only been having since the very late 70s to now. And the reason it seems so recent or unfamiliar or like the LGBT Christian community and their allies are pressing on the churches People have been pressing since Troy Perry, the Metropolitan Community Church in 1968. They've been pressing on the church for the right to be married within churches, and it's only in the last decade that the churches are dealing with this. So for more than 40 years, gay people have been knocking on the door saying, let us in, listen to us, we want to be at the table, knock down those walls, and the church hasn't been hearing until recently. So they feel like this onslaught is coming at them. Well, Maybe they should have been listening for the last four decades.
0: Kathy Baldock, you've been in Australia working with groups uh, in the context of you know the possibility of a, a plebiscite. Uh, how hopeful are you that the discussion within Australia uh, is looking to be positive and helpful and can be advanced with the help of churches uh, engaging in honest discussion, in, in open discussion?
1: Well, I'm going to answer that two ways. I'm very hopeful that you are going to get marriage equality in your Government as a as a right, and then, and you will get pushback from the the Christian community. You absolutely will get pushback, and they will not let go of this this reign until you have marriage equality. And then, somewhere around six months to a year down the road, those same churches are going to have to deal with it because people in their churches are going to be married and want to be married and have their kids baptized and have their kids in church schools. And the churches are going to have to deal with it. And then you're going to go through the same thing we're going in the States. Churches that choose to wrestle with this subject openly may lose people. Other people uh, may gain, other pastors may gain people. But what I do know about the way that this has to be handled is pastors have to start talking about grace in their communities and acceptance of all kinds of people and then slowly educate their community so that they're all learning together because you're, you'll are you have marriage equality. You have to get marriage equality. You're the only English-speaking modern nation that doesn't have marriage equality. 21 have gone before you, and it's been fine. It's been more than fine. So you're going to get it, but the real question beyond that is the, the work that I do is what are we going to do with this in conservative environments because I don't want... Any walls up. I want a big table where we can all participate, LGBT people participating along with heterosexual people and however people identify. The line shouldn't be there. The walls shouldn't be up. But you are up for a struggle beyond (laughs) just marriage equality.
0: Kathy Baldock, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for being part of Sunday Nights.
1: Thank you so much.
0: This has been a podcast of Sunday Nights on ABC Local Radio.